0: On this episode of the Boag World Show, we look at the current state of responsive design and what the future might hold. This season of the podcast is sponsored by Balsamic and Full Story. I'm very confused today because we're sitting in a room with people. I'm not (laughs) used to people. Human beings. So
1: vaguely... Headscape people. Why, well, yeah. They're a special breed. <laughs> we're, we're almost human beings. Almost.
0: Yes. You don't have the rights of a human being. You're just driven into the ground like cattle. Yep. That, yeah, that's that's, that's how right. it is
2: at that's, that's how it is, yeah. It's, it's so like that, Ed hasn't even got a mic.
0: No. no. Hello. Hello, Ed. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and take the mic back. Yes. That's that's so we've got, joining mic. us today is um, Dan Sherman and Ed Merrick. Which is really nice to have you both on the show. Thank you for joining us. You're, You're welcome. You're quite you, welcome. You actually volunteered this time rather than being forced into it by, oh no, borderline. Yeah, oh. Oh, I'm sort a, of yeah. half and half. Half and half, oh I see. It was a bit like that, was it? Like I said, it's a, there are slaves. Happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> You're sporting a very impressive beard these days, Dan. You've gone full kind of hipster. It's awesome.
1: I haven't gone full hipster. I just sort of started growing it when I had some time off over Christmas, and it's just sort of spiralled out of control from there. And I you like do it. Oil. It's, it's I
3: beard oil. I have, yeah,
1: <laughs> semi-bought beard oil, yeah. But that was mainly because my moustache has now got handlebars, and I'm quite yeah. proud of that. Oh, that totally should be proud of that. I mean, I have beard oil. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, well, it's bought
2: for me as a present for Christmas.
0: So, have so. you ever actually used it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Otherwise, it's a bit sort of, like, gritty.
0: I yeah. feel very left out sitting around this table, because everybody's bearded except me. I'm, I'm not sure how long this is going to last, oh, I'll be honest with y- you. Yours is by far the most impressive, Damn.
2: and should be kept, because you look like a, a 17th century nobleman. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I think that's a good look. I think uh, oh, you should so definitely
1: I. I be I sporting that. that look.
0: Yeah. 100%.
1: Flattery will get you everywhere. See, I, I know.
0: But I, my problem is yeah. I can never get past the itchy stage. Just, oh, yeah. Just Your power sh- through. Just
2: stop just that bit. Just stop. See? Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, my beard grows down to there. So just shave that two, inch,
0: two, two inches there. Is that, is that the itchy bit then? Yeah. Is it just down yeah. here? No, yeah. I get all itchy. No, right it's here. All, all itchy. Yeah. 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 It's not. Oh, I don't. They're so in, aren't they? Beards? at the moment. I feel like I need to join in. I'm so, I'm just so out of date.
1: Anyway. No, don't you'd be do. All salt and pepper. I like mean,
0: yeah, I would be, but it would be, look stylish. I like to think. Yes, you no, know, very designer.
1: Speaking of style, you're looking very Steve Jobs today.
0: I am actually. This is very true. Yes, you've yes. Got the, I, you've got the, I, the Levi's, the black turtleneck. Yeah, actually, now I now I think about it, <laughs> I really have overdone it today. Haven't I? <laughs> it's the combination of the ripeness glasses and the turtleneck. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's all it's all. I together. was being nice to you about your. That beard. was a compliment. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's do a, I, an it, icon, isn't it? Do I look yeah. like a young Steve Jobs or the one that was about? to die. You look like an
1: innovator.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was very well put. Tact. I'm I'm full of tact. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Seriously impressed by that. So just to explain to people because this show is going to quickly spiral off out of control otherwise just to explain uh why dan and ed are on the show this week uh this week um we're going to be talking about responsive design um and dan is our front end developer do you prefer developer engineer or coder oh good lord <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I've, I've, adjusted,
1: I've adjusted my job role on twitter about three times in the last month i think i'm now a ui des- developer designer developer designer <laughs> i like that I just thought of that yeah I say thought of just fell out of my
0: mouth yeah Um, you know when you've got a beard that luxurious these things do just come yeah and
2: I'm changing the Headscape
0: website to say (laughs) developer designer we we are all now
2: developer designers
0: yeah oh let's not do that so (laughs) what's that what's that make you then Ed
2: I don't know I'm Joining that. that—that sounds good. Oh, okay. I'll be one of them. Sure.
0: He's a design developer. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Slightly more towards the design, the design side, side. Yeah. but <laughs> you, you both still code. What well, you definitely code. Yeah. yeah, you you do still quite a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> It, is it when it's really busy? Like I, it, to, I make him. I'd rather it.
3: be designing. Yeah. Well,
0: of course you would. And at the moment, it is insanely busy. I'm surprised you've got time to sit in this room. Really, barely. Good. We haven't.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, but this is your lunch.
3: Break. <laughs> is, yeah, yeah. At, I told the, the guys afternoon. about a
2: month ago that it's looking like things might kind of quieten down uh, in a couple of months. And I the last two weeks, I have constantly got interesting leads coming in. Well, you to. need to
0: just stop accepting them. <laughs> just say, go away, we don't want your money. Or we'll take the money, but we won't deliver anything for it. One of them,
2: who I'm speaking to after this, is um, it's about... Uh, a I obviously you don't want this, It's a, just to talk, talk to the guys about it. It's It's mapping the entire seabed. <laughs> How cool is that? Oh no, the presentation of the mapping. Of the
0: right. Item. Okay, you're not. We're not you're not sending with sending Dan out with, s- with we're a snorkel.
3: Yeah, we're not. This doesn't sound like a quiet experience. I'm up for that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh. That's, that's how I'm gonna get holiday I'm gonna be part of that project I'll get the snorkel I'll get to swim but also at the
0: same time I will be mapping the seabed yeah <laughs> yeah you don't ever get any real time on so we're talking about so we're going to be talking about responsive design that's the plan which and, and in some ways I almost left this out of this season because I kind of thought oh well everybody knows about responsive design but when it comes to responsive design really the devil's in the detail it's the little things isn't it that you have to do that where it all goes to shit and and becomes a lot more complicated so we're going to talk about that a little bit um before that i did want to quickly mention the newsletter because i keep meaning to mention um the newsletter on the show it's a really good way of keeping up with everything that's going on Um, well not everything that's going
2: on everything in the whole world everything in the
0: whole world yeah i have replaced the bbc news now news (laughs) service no it's just interesting articles stuff that i've read stuff that i've written stuff that i care about so probably of no interest to anyone but me. I, I subscribe, Paul. Do you? Do you read it? Mine? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I read the top of it. I know that you don't read it because every every time the stats come out, I look at whether you've opened it. No, he hasn't again.
2: I don't need to. Open it. Sitting, I can just scroll down it I know, on the screen.
0: Yeah, but you don't cl- have a modern email client. You post, don't do click you know. on it either. And well, it, it, I
2: don't. Have to, I don't need to. It's kind of, I'm getting the, the synopsis of yeah. your thoughts and your mm-hmm. feelings, and that's enough
0: bullshit <laughs> right so yeah you can subscribe to that despite marcus not reading his copy i'm not even going to ask dan and ed whether they're subscribed because i don't want to know the answer so you can subscribe by going to boag.world forward slash subscribe um, and sign up there or at least check it out um i will never sell your email address unless someone pays me a lot of money to that's totally fair i know it's good isn't it yeah. Nobody's offered me a lot of money, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, talking of money... people.
2: and Paul, who works to GDPR rules... <laughs> <laughs> the what? Save, saves your credit card details <laughs> on a bit of paper. Yes. In All
0: a right. no, I keep it <laughs> in my back pocket, yes. in case I'm play,
1: play, 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 play.
0: Talking about people who give me money, mm-hmm. let's talk about Bersamek. My uh, first sponsor, first uh, first sponsor, they're sponsoring the entire season. So Balsamic is an easy to use wireframing tool with a really low barrier uh, to entry. And basically, um, most people know about the desktop app, but they also have a cloud-based service as well, which is really good for collaboration and that kind of work. Um, it's price per active project or per space, as they call it. Um, you can have unlimited users. You can have unlimited wireframes per project. Um, so it's really easy to get started at the bottom end, if you just want to say two projects running at the same time because there's only active projects obviously um it's going to cost you nine dollars a month which is hardly anything but you could just buy the desktop version outright if you wanted to but if you want to get clients feeding back or putting comments in or any of that kind of stuff then the cloud-based one's better how much is the desktop version (laughs) i don't know look it's not, it, I'm not supposed to be selling that. Well, they didn't tell me to sell either of them, really. They said, can you talk about balsamic a bit? Well, that's a legitimate question of mine. It is a legitimate... I'm not, I'm not knocking the question. So you can download projects for backup. If you don't want to keep them online, that keeps your number of projects down. And it also, there's this auto hibernation feature that I don't claim to understand. But that helps as well to keep price down. So they put in a lot of thought. They're not one of these things that, yeah, it's only only so much per project. And then, you know, basically they delete your project. Very reasonable. $89 one-off fee. Yeah. I mean, that's great. So because there are some people that get really annoyed by these subscription services, you've got a choice. Yeah. It's great. Um, so if you want to check out the cloud version, um, you can get a 30-day free trial um, and then... After that, if you, you go in um, to the Balsamic Cloud interface um, and you enter the code BalsamicBOAG alongside your um, billing information, then you'll get three additional months for free, which is excellent. Most excellent. it's it's really off-putting because you're sharing a mic with Ed who Ed is just ignoring the mic entirely but you're having to lean over every time you want to say something and you made all that is that annoying you no it's the fact that you made all the effort to lean over to go most excellent you know that's the way it is Paul you just felt that I needed to be interrupted Mm -hmm. yeah exactly I
2: forgot to lean over
0: (laughs) Um, so you can check it out at balsamic.cloud Okay, so that's balsamic. Now, I bet you, both of you two have used balsamic at some point. Yes. Yes. Everybody has. Yes. I haven't found one person yet that we've had a guest on this show that hasn't used it at some point. It's like the oldest wireframing tool, I think. I don't think there was anything before it, was there? that was designed specifically for them. Mm. Not that mm. I can remember. No, no. Nothing springs to mind. No. Okay. What What you... What you've pen and pen paper. Pen and paper. Well, yeah. I love like pen uh, and paper. <laughs> Oh, you just why, but, why? is he? He's now miming. <laughs> <laughs> it's an audio podcast. Marcus. That doesn't help, Barry. Oh, oh, he's in a box. He's in a box. <laughs> he can't get out. No, lock
1: him in the box. <laughs> keep him. Keep the him in there. Over. We look like your backing singers. <laughs> look <laughs> <laughs> <little> supreme.
0: <laughs> oh, that would be so awesome. <laughs> it's I a good back. job there's no video, isn't it? Let right. me <laughs> just take a drink. This is really professional.
2: Paul and I did videos for a while, yeah. years ago. Hmm. Um, I can't remember why we stopped. Because it was too much work. <laughs> yeah, you had to be together. That was the hard bit, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, Together. Which, oh, well, I can't remember the last well, time we were together.
0: time wasn't that ago. too long ago, actually. We, I was back I was in for some, <gasps> some other reason. You came in for Christmas. Ah, yes, which that was, was it. It was only a couple of months ago. Yeah, exactly. I didn't expect. think it was that long. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so, let's talk about responsive design. Um, I think when most people think about responsive design, they think about responsive layout and de- uh, designing for different uh, screen sizes. But there's a lot of broader challenges are involved in it. And even when you are just talking about layout, there are like lots of little bits and bobs and problems that, that you might encounter. So um, there's a few things that I wanted to really to talk to Ed and Dan about simply because Obviously, I don't do a lot of coding these days. I don't do a huge amount of design, and I feel like I'm a little bit out of the loop um, with where things are at with responsive design. So I thought, well, why not? <laughs> why not use the podcast for me to learn something rather than Marcus for a change? So let's start off. If it's all right, I'll start off for you, Ed. Is that okay? That's that all right. Fun, yeah. So I mean, one of the things that I think is most challenging about responsive design, from a design point of view, is where do you start you know everybody says oh you should start mobile first right i I don't know about other people
3: but i find that quite hard to do is that what you do Uh, (laughs) I kind of do it in tandem. I think a lot of it depends on what clients are expecting to see first. Right. So you kind of present what they're expecting to see while in the back of your mind planning how you're going to build it in all various states. Right. And probably don't show them that immediately until you've sort of ironed out the details. Yeah, okay. So do you you tend to work... um, So you're you're planning all different states at the same time? Usually, yeah. Right. Uh, You're mocking something up in Photoshop or whatever and... All, every bit you're doing, you're planning how it will respond. Yeah, okay. Sort of. So do you start with the grid system and then how, what's the kind of...
0: Because, okay, you're thinking about all the different steps, but, you know, obviously if you're doing a, a high-fidelity mock-up or something like that, then that's a lot of work to
3: do simultaneously. It is, yeah. I I don't tend to mock everything up at every different stage. I right, just, Look at the bits that might be a problem later, and kind of focus on them. Okay, but most so, bits are kind of predictable now. Right, so it's a lot of um your main challenges. One
0: presumes are like you know what's going to go above what, and when it fits down on. Time. Yeah, I mean a
3: lot of that comes to wireframing, and you right. know the order, and then it's just right. I've got to get it over there. How big is it going to be? How are we going to get it in the right? So you
0: start. Bit? You tend to start the kind of wireframing it first before going into Photoshop. Or yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah wireframe's already done with them. Okay cool notice he says photoshop
3: I do did uh, you hear what he <laughs> did you hear what I can't Lee's? get out the hammock no, I like
0: photoshop
2: but Lee uses sketch yeah, yeah I know well fun. he was having a go at
3: Ed wasn't he, he was, he's given me a full lesson and I went yep yeah, that's really good and immediately went back to photoshop <laughs> 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 like, yes you're right I'll take the slow and Lee tends to do mock-ups of everything
2: as well
0: so right he'll yeah. mock up all the different states he does yeah yeah, yeah is actually you think it's because it's quicker in sketch like, <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. it probably I mean probably is but or it is like it's quicker. you know yeah. I don't actually think it matters what tool you use you should just use whatever where, tool you're comfortable with you yeah. absolutely although <laughs> <laughs> although probably not photoshop yeah. not photoshop yeah no but uh, do you not ever hand projects between the two of you Not often. Yeah, we have done occasionally. (laughs) I bet there's a lot of swearing when that happens. Always. Yeah. And so you, Dan... Yes. As the person that gets stuff from both Ed and
1: Lee, you've got to deal with both, have you? Primarily, I mainly get stuff from Lee...
3: Right. Because he's
0: capable of coding.
3: uh, I build my own, so I don't (laughs) mention all the problems I create for myself. Yeah. (laughs) Wow,
1: if I ain't putting words in my mouth.
3: um.
2: Can I just just step in? Yeah. Just think nice, calm thoughts. (laughs) I'm
1: thinking nice, calm thoughts. Um, Yeah, so primarily I'll get stuff from Lee because he will tend to work on the projects that will require more sort of working out of... more complex, more complex organisms, yeah, um, and more complex organisations with more internal politics. Um, so there will be a lot of work that will will go into that side of things, um, and then he'll do sort of a, a design look on look and feel mm. um, that will get passed to me in whatever format, be it sketch or something that's been mocked up in browser. Right, um, and I think because of that those kind of clients want to see um like ed said that it depends on what a client's expecting to see Mm. those kind of clients want to see the website yeah they want to see what the website will look like they don't necessarily care of how it's going to look on mobile um so it could be that i'll end up getting something that is mostly desktop i could end up getting a sketch file of many many things um and i tend to sort of have to pull that together Mm. um which is nice in some ways because sometimes you need to see um, sort of how, um, I mean, I've been, we've been looking into internally a lot about um, atomic design um, mm. lately and using sort of more constructive blocks of things. Yeah, um, And it's weird because you can say, okay, well, it's going to be easy to, to start off and do this and then we create building blocks and we master up um, and we build it up from there. But sometimes you see how you need to see how the organism works as a whole to see how the individual building blocks work. Mm-hmm. So sometimes getting a more complete, quote unquote, the website mm. design is actually
0: helpful. Um, it's a real toss-up. It's difficult mm. um, because the problem I see with you know I, I'm a great fan of, of atomic design, design systems, pattern libraries, whatever you want to call them. And actually, we're going to talk about them is it next
2: week. Might even
0: be no a couple of weeks' time. We're going to be talking about them. But the downside of them is that you don't, you can get buried in the details and lose that kind of visual hierarchy and how everything fits together and the flow of stuff.
3: Yeah. And an overall aesthetic for a site. Yeah. Yeah, you get very focused on details quite early on. So do you, do you tend
0: to start by doing the big picture, this is kind of what the overall feel would be like, yeah, and then refine those
3: blocks? I, I think I'm in an easier position than Lee and Dan, because they've obviously got to hand over at some yeah. point from one to the other, whereas I can talk to a client and say, right, this is getting slower for me to mock up each bit. It'd be great if I start prototyping, if I move it into code at this point. Yeah. And I can transition that on my own because I'm doing both parts. But And I guess also, once you get into the browser as well, then that kind of forces you
0: to address responsive issues Users yeah, you go. absolutely, yeah. Because they're always on a different screen or yeah. look on their phone on the way home and yeah. it doesn't work. But. So going back to you, Dan, with the with the, the um, organisms and modules and the bits of Atomic, mm-hmm. um, whenever you build a component, I, I always get confused about all the different... Uh, when you build a chunk of functionality, let's yeah. call it a news listing, right? Yeah. Do you always build that so that um, it's responsive from the outset bearing in mind you could drop it in a side column which is half the width of a main column that kind of thing so this is one of the most tricky things
1: is deciding um this is why it's almost nice in some ways to have the big picture rather than considering things sort of just component first because you're able to see where that component is repeated and if it needs to adapt if you need to be able to drop it into a really really tiny column yeah um, and things like that so trying that's where building mobile first is really really helpful because you have a tiny column yeah so you have how that's going to work and it's almost how that then scale grows up. scales up mm. and what you can do with the layout um, and layer on top of that um, so yeah we don't have content queries yet right um Unless you know, there's many, many sort of things that can be shoehorned, and Ed had a decent solution that we used on one project. But generally, you end up
3: end up using it. Less it worked less. really nicely,
1: but the problem with that is that you have to cater for all possible eventualities, and that yeah. produces a ton of code. Yeah. What do you um, mean by a content query? What are you getting at there? Um So. You've got media queries, so you can say when the screen is at this size, yeah. do this thing. But mm-hmm. you can't say when a box is in a grid of three columns. So ah. when when that box is only 300 pixels wide, do this. When the box is 1,200 pixels wide, do this. Or right. 300 okay. 300 so wide. it's only on
0: a kind of page um, level rather than an individual. Yeah. So level. yeah,
1: then you end up sort of trying to fudge it with, okay, well, when the box is in three columns or when the box is in that, Yeah. Um, if you're writing primarily. um with that, So that's that's kind of
0: tricky. So, yeah, having the big picture at the start does tend to help. Because, as you're right, there is a fine line, isn't there, between kind of reusability, that we want this code to be flexible in the future. So if someone comes along and, you know, decides to do something you weren't expecting with a bit of a component or whatever, then it won't break. But on the other hand, you don't want to create, you know, crap loads of unnecessary code. Yeah. You know. It's- yeah, it's always, it's a toss-up. It, it
1: depends situation. It's, mm. you know, how... How much flexibility do you want to be able to provide for the time that you have and the likelihood that someone's ever going to use that?
0: Mm, Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It really is, yeah. (laughs) Okay, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was um, typography. Um, Because it strikes me that typography is a tricky area in responsive design. We had... Jason um, on a few weeks ago, who was talking about um, variable fonts and mm. and all, you know the fact that that works quite well, but that 's not necessarily where we 're at right now mm. um, so one of the problems you know are you just taking you can 't just dump typography in that works on a desktop version you switch over to um, a mobile version. And, you know, suddenly the line lengths are really short and stuff like that. So how are you dealing, are you guys dealing with with typography?
1: Um, so one of the first things that I like to do when I'm starting, sort of picking up a design and starting to build a good base is have a really good um, set of base typography, not necessarily that carries across from project to project, but something that is for that project. You sort of sit down and you also do you do sort of a mini bootstrap for each project. So right, you know, okay. You'll, you'll pick out the typography elements Um I think there was a tendency a little while ago to do things like as the width increases, you know, you bump up the font size to take up the extra space. And it was, you know, it very quickly transpired that that doesn't work. Um, Why don't you think that works? Because, A, because people don't use their devices like that, just because it's a bigger device and you're not necessarily sitting further apart from it. Yeah. Um, And B, because. As you have more screen real estate, it's more sensible to try and add layout rather than Mm -hmm. just increasing the size of the text. So you're sort of increasing the size of the text while trying to add layout, and you're ending up with big text that doesn't work in in terms of the context that you're designing for. Um, One of the things that I do still have in a sort of base rules is um, vertical media queries um, to increase font size, um, Ah. which can also help address the quote-unquote below-the-fold yeah. Um, issue as well. Um, so it does seem to be fairly reliable that if you're on a shallower screen, you tend to want the website to be a little bit smaller and it's sort of, you can see it resizing and yeah. everything... It helps address some
3: of the fold issues that we get with clients and things like that. I tend that. to pair those a bit now as well, though, with viewable yeah. units and say, well, if it's at least this wide and that tall, yep. then we know we've got a bit of space yeah. to play yeah. with. Using, just height or just
1: width alone, isn't it? sounds weird, yeah. but using sort of moderately complex base media queries for typography before you start layering on too many components can actually provide a really good base for or sort of how those components inherently behave before you have to start styling them no that makes one.
0: perfect sense i get it because as soon as you then start dropping components in those components are the, the typography within the components are going to resize appropriately out of the gate yeah and then you can think about how those
1: components behave when they're in different situations as opposed to you know trying to control the typography. yeah yeah
0: yeah. Like that. That makes a lot of sense marcus what do you think about this
1: uh, I think Ed needs
0: to think
2: about his base font size more often than he does. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree, Marcus. Thank you for that
3: really profound That's comment. <laughs> true. Oh, is it? What's it's that? getting closer, actually, because my eyesight's getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> so year by year, the fonts are getting bigger. <laughs> it's, it's difficult, though, because one of the first
1: things that I ask for whenever I get a design is a typography page with all the, the sort of base typography yeah. for an article. Because if you think about it, the bulk of a client site, the bulk of the user-generated content is going to be text pages of some yeah. form or another. Um, so get every, getting everything nailed down, but clients don't want to sign that off because it's a really boring thing to sign <laughs> yeah. off. It's like, how is this page yeah. of text looking to you? <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, if you know, the best feedback you can get is sort of no feedback.
3: Well, yeah. we it's found like, recently yeah, as well, that though. That fine. They see text alone, and it it kind of depends on the context as well. Because when mm. you show them just a lump of text, it goes, "Yep, that's readable." In a particular layout, it could be surrounded by a load of white space, and it looks a lot smaller than yeah. it yeah. did yeah. on its own. And it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. You need the whole picture and all the little building blocks all at the same yeah. time. Which left us with a last-minute bump up the font size for <laughs> the day before launch. And that's, it, that's what I was referring. To. I was yeah. <laughs> and it's that
0: you got, but you've got to take into account those kinds of things in the in the design process that you might get further down the line and suddenly go, do you know what, the font size isn't right, or the typeface isn't right, yeah. even. I mean, how do you code for that kind of thing? Or do you not? You just swear a lot. I mean, to
1: some degree, it shouldn't. It should theoretically be easy because we're all, we're using M's for media queries. It shouldn't be that much of a big deal to be able to increase the base font size. But then you would inherently have knock on effects on that with, yeah, things, like main, with things like with things like main nav yeah. you know you design a main nav with a with a horizontal mm. set of nav items um yeah. which obviously you decide at a certain point where that will break down to yeah. a different
3: but if it was option. any other element, changing the font size is a piece of cake and you can spot it, it's one off, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Change the base font size, right, I've just got a day of checking everything else again. And yeah. It's and that. it's probably it's, fine. It's, it's it the going back work. and checking it and just yeah. the paranoia of,
0: oh, that thing in that very specific yeah. place is going to break. Mm, which is fair enough. I mean, you know, it's interesting what you were saying a minute ago about how type sizes are getting bigger the older you get. yeah. Um, I've become very rare aware of that recently, <laughs> where I'm now at a difficult point where if I'm trying to read on screen, I have to take my oh, glasses yeah. <laughs> off because I'm short-sighted. And I've become very conscious of that kind of thing. Um, but there's also there's a kind of related accessibility issue alongside that, where depending on the device somebody's using depends on... What is readable and what is not? So, for example, if you're on a mobile device, you might not be in as good an environment in terms of colour contrast and that kind. Of, do you sit and think about that kind of stuff? I mean, which yeah, point do you it. just go, "I can't cope with any of this anymore"? You know, <laughs> well,
3: yeah, on a mobile device, but now it's likely that their resolution is going to be much higher. Yeah. So yeah, things will be clearer, even though they're smaller. And, yeah. yeah. It's another consideration, but yeah. Just, at some point, you've
0: just got to go... Hey,
3: you just going right. to throw it in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> See if anyone objects, I think. You
0: yeah. Because that, that's the other trade-off with all of this kind of stuff. You can make it... You could... Put so much energy and so much effort into optimizing the responsive experience. But at the end of the day, you have to kind of cut your cloth depending on the budget and yeah. the time. And, and that's, the- that's a very,
1: very big factor. Everything's a trade-off between, yeah. you know, we've got X time to build this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get the, the base stuff right. Um, and it's how much time do you have to put into optimising everything later. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we have a list of stuff that we say we'll browsers and
2: devices will test on. And, but I always encourage clients to say, you know, if you've got anything else, test Not on it. that as well. Yeah. Um, so, yes, you have to take a pragmatic view. on this I think Otherwise, that, you could be doing it forever.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing that often annoys me about when you read articles on responsive design. You know, it's, I don't know some large organisation will outline and you know they've been working on it for months and you think well yeah that's I'm um, great great that you could spend that much yeah. time faffing around with the typography but in the real world that doesn't happen you know you Well, I mean it's you. it's great to have those ideals to work to yeah. Um, and big
1: organisations and sort of product projects um I guess have the time and resource and anything like if you're working on a big project where that stuff's kind of important is a great influencer for us to sort of have a set of tools and a set of rules that we can consider um and i think keeping that in the back of your mind is always good but yeah when you're working on you know a small project of few thousand yeah yeah it's not feasible to do that all of the time and Mm. i think that's okay yeah i think there's a a lot of sort of you must know everything you must do everything you must do as much as possible in this industry particularly at the moment yeah um and i think sometimes it's okay to take a step back and just sort of say okay well you know everything has its use case mm. um, but it depends you know you've got constraints um, work I mean, to them a lot of the
0: time good enough really is good enough it doesn't yeah. need to be perfect yeah. or yeah, you, and know. you don't
3: need to test it a hundred times just lean on the side of caution and yeah yeah you know you're going to be Play okay. careful yeah yeah
0: talking about mobile devices and the differences i mean obviously we've got quite a lot of input devices that people don't often think when they think in terms of responsive design they immediately go oh well we just reject the layout and it's all done and lovely but you know you've got trackpads you've got um fingers you've got mice you've got you know all of that kind of thing i mean what what factors do you consider from a
3: design point of view when worrying about all that stuff I don't know, there's basic stuff like hit area if you're using yeah. fingers, um, losing rollovers, things like that. How much information are you showing people based on rollover because you lose context of everything. So yeah. I, mean, um, I don't know, a lot of it's become second nature. I don't know if I consider it anymore. I just know that that won't work or that will packing, work. Packing links too closely together is
0: the big one I always see
3: yeah. people making
0: the mistake of. And I remember working with you back in the day, long time ago yeah. now, when we were working on WFF. Oh, yeah where you had this tendency to pack links... This was obviously yeah. before iPhones and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But because we were designing for an elderly audience, which didn't have the best motor yeah. control problem, you know, um, it, was a, it was a problem. But now it's like, we well, wouldn't do that anyway, because, no.
3: you know... I mean, you still w- find it, don't you, in, on a responsive site, you still want to pinch and zoom to be sure you're hitting the right things. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't need to do that. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a huge
0: thing. What about imagery? Um, because, obviously... Now, this has been a big one for me on BOAG World mm-hmm. um, because um, I want my site to perform as well as it did. By the way, I'm still happily using the, the design you guys built ages <laughs> ago. Oh, I had a good one. You're like this. Um, I was looking at my analytics mm-hmm. um, yesterday and at screen size, and someone must have been viewing it on a watch Ooh. because it's it, it had the dimensions of a watch on it, you know, really tiny screen size. And I remember, right back in the day, you showed me Boag World working on a watch. No, I, haven't. I don't because think it was, was, don't it think it was working on a
1: watch. But I was—I pushed it right to the limit and got it down to something like 180 pixels yeah. wide, just because I was bored that day. <laughs> exactly, just to prove that yeah. it was sort of feasible. Well,
0: I'm pretty sure because whoever it was, because I—that uh, immediately grabbed my interest they looked at multiple pages so they didn't just view it and then go this is unusable (laughs) and bugger off so somebody has actually benefited from that bought day awesome
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh god I wish I had days like that it
0: was was dead it was dead just to see how badly I'd screwed up the site yep So, obviously, um, I've been working a lot on performance recently. And the big one is with um, imagery. Yeah. Right? And imagery on different devices. Now, one of the best ways of improving performance, obviously, is to keep image sizes down. But equally, you don't want images to be shit on a, on a nice retina-displayed device. Yeah. And equally, you're gonna, you don't want to load a bigger image that's available within... So how, how do you deal with this mess, Dan? <laughs>
1: So if you're looking for quick fixes, there kind of aren't really any sort of blanket rules um, or just things that you can apply that will sort out all your imagery. There is, uh, to some degree, an editorial job. Um, And I guess the majority of the imagery we're talking about does come from sort of um, client uploads um, or anything that is sort of editorial content. Uh, So I guess... um, We have a couple of tools that we can use for this. Uh, We've got a picture element for art direction um, and source set. So source set does a a relatively good job um, of just providing the browser some different options of things to use. Obviously you've got to decide what they are, where you're likely to need to different image sizes. Um, So it's not a really really easy thing. Um, It does require some some consideration and obviously integration with a cms as well you need to have the cms provide you with those different options you need to decide what they are um wordpress has this built in quite nicely i believe there's a module for drupal 8 as well um if you're not using one of those two that you might end up having a couple of things that you know you'll need to build yourself
0: what about something so like-
1: one one of the things that we use um on a couple of sites obviously is lazy loading Um, trying to as invisibly as possible so a huge scroll offset so you know a couple of screen heights maybe so that the images it's almost invisible that you're doing it yeah um and obviously have a fallback for non-javascript goes without saying um I know you reviewed a product called Serve Serve yeah Is that what what you're using Yeah That looks like an excellent technical solution but at a cost and I think I wouldn't like to be the person that had to go and approach the client that just went Hey we need to throw you need to throw this amount of money just to get your images to work We'll we'll get Marcus to do that That's his job Yeah Again everything's a trade-off unless you're working sort of on a site that is for a specific market that's going to be always on a really slow data connect. I'm in no way saying that it's obviously not important to optimize your stuff. Um, but yeah, everything's a trade-off.
2: It's a balance, isn't it? It's all a balance. Found, we've tri- been trying to find, or you've been trying particularly, Dan, to find this best way of doing this. And what it comes down to is you've got to make a judgment call of quality over size on image. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but the, the, the
0: interesting thing I find about it I find it really weird. If you turned around to a client, of course, and say, you know, we want to use this image optimization service that will detect the the um, resolution they're working at and, de- you know, deliver the appropriate image, which it does with JavaScript, um, but it has a fallback, obviously. Yeah. Um, it'll handle the lazy loading. It'll do all these great things. And they'll go, no, what? no I'm not paying no, I don't for care. that. care. Yeah. But if you say to them, do you want your site to rank higher on Google? They'll go, yes, yeah. and they're willing to pay a lot of money for that. Now, of course, in truth, performance is one of the biggest indicators of your placement on Google. Not yeah. One of the biggest, but it's a big one. Yeah. Um, so perhaps that's the way to sell it as we're talking to clients is saying, look, if you do this, if you're willing to pay this a month, it'll help with your your uh, rankings. Because I've really done well out of it and it's mm. worked really well for me. It does seem like a really yeah. sort of nice technical solution. How so much does it cost? Do you know? I don't know because they give it to me for free. Let me. Well, we'll just get Paul to get it for all our clients. <laughs> no, no, there were very specific conditions. Let me have a look. That was very nice of them to give it to me for free. Um, yeah, see, it's not. It, yeah, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. So, twenty gig uh, of um, imagery being served up a month is is fifty nine dollars per month.
2: That's quite a lot of imagery.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that would be enough for most people. I mean, if you go down to five gig, it's $19 a month. So it's not... It's not obscene. Most clients would pay that. You reckon? Yes. Mm. I mean, certainly your kind of clients, well, our kind of clients. $20 client, a month, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it would save these guys a lot of hassle of having to worry yeah, about would. imagery. <laughs> if they if you just use a service like that, it's definitely... And that's it, I guess.
1: That's, that's what it comes down to, I guess, is how much time we're putting into it. And we're obviously billing out for that. Or whether you've got a solution that's extensible and you know is... Saves us the trouble of having to debug things to some extent as well. If you can ship that with third-party service, it's a thought.
0: Yeah. So moving on from from that, while well, I just solve your uh, your, your image compression <laughs> problems, well, actually, Dan had already knew about it, but that's not poor. Um, talking about navigation on mobile devices, Ed. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of eh, hamburger menus are evil. <laughs> now I have a. Version of hamburger menus on on Mm -hmm. Boagle, which you guys designed, and I still think works very well because it's very discoverable navigation. As soon as Mm -hmm. you start scrolling, you see the navigation, and it goes away, and so you're exposed to it. How are you tending to deal with mobile
3: navigation these days? Quite similarly to that, most of the time. I think if you can reveal it when you've got the space, it's a great plan. It's not a surprise then when it expands from somewhere else. Uh, We kind of tried a few times to. To hide it as if it was mobile navigation all the time, even up to desktop. Yeah, and yeah, it felt like a bit of a surprise. Or it takes over the screen. I think the less surprises, the better. Usually. Um, so essentially, what the
0: way it works on Bobo, it's worth going and checking out if you haven't seen it. Is that when it loads on a mobile device to begin with? I think it shows the navigation. I can't remember now. I haven't got my mobile with me. Um, but then, as you start scrolling down to the content, it then hides it away under a panel. But you can yeah. click on a on a the hamburger yeah, icon. Yeah, just bring keep it back, a fixed, bar on the desktop. desktop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I think it, it, it. I think it's a really good thing.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't strongly dislike the hamburger menu as much as other people seem to. I yeah. think It's so widely used now. It's it's quite well recognised. Yeah. I think people are pretty used to it. People, um, people just it goes through trends. doesn't It, does. it? <laughs> People like to pair it with text saying menu or nav or something. Yes. I I feel like that kind of dilutes it. You know, that really annoyed me the other day. I was looking for a burger restaurant. <laughs> <It's because laughs> a hamburger menu, I remember discussing this <laughs> menu to find another link to menu that shows you a load of burgers. <laughs> it's really confusing. <laughs> it's like, that confused me and I could see how they would have designed it and come to that decision. <laughs> I would rather see the word menu
2: than the hamburger icon.
3: Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like- Even if it then had another link to menu inside it. No, that's just me. No. <laughs> I think restaurants
1: are a bit of an edge
2: case, yeah.
3: aren't they? especially yeah. specifically burger bars. It was a unique
1: Yeah, so it's quite an unusual situation. But yeah, it can come down to use case as well. I guess you don't have to have traditional navigation as such I mean, we've got sort of sites that are almost navigation as content or sort of Mm -hmm. around the content Mm. um thinking about user flow in the page when is your user likely to want to use the navigation Mm. Um, i mean we've done stuff like sort of sub navigation will be at the top below the header on desktop um but we've moved it sort of to the bottom of the content on mobile because when the user finishes reading the article they want somewhere to go yeah um something like that but then you've got the toss-up between having massive index pages where you've got tiles of stuff that's loading a load of images just to take you through to another section yeah if you end up wanting to show that
0: so yeah i mean i like in that kind of situation i try and i try and float content up from underneath to fill in that space because i there's nothing worse than going to a page that's essentially just a list of links and yeah they've made them look pretty yeah but there's no actual content on the page yeah so if you can take bits of what is below you know the key things mm. that people are likely to want to know from that section and float it up then at least it adds some value to those pages doesn't it which yeah. is good. Okay last question then I have th- no idea how long we've been going for Marcus 3
2: quarters of an hour. Yeah
0: so I think it's probably last question which is um, what are the th- uh, things should people consider when building with responsive design in mind. So what you know as you're coding it up and you're designing it what are the big things that you don't want to leave people with?
1: I feel like reviewing often helps tease out the, have you thought about Right. Um, and that's something that I try and get involved with early on in the project. And often they can be very, very annoying.
3: What, what do you mean? When I come and what? say,
1: oh, have you thought about how that's going to work oh, without this, yeah. a mouse? Or have you thought about how that's yeah. going to work, you know, um, at when this happens? Um Trying to co-work as much as possible, I think, can be useful. Mm. Um, Yeah, it helps tease out that stuff. Distilling things to components and trying to discover the minimum level of repeatability Mm. um, as quickly as possible. Um, Like you're saying, trying to work out where that thing is going to be used across the site. um, And naming things is (laughs) one of the most difficult things yeah
0: what do you mean naming things how many
1: times have you used a box or tile yeah yeah, you end up with (laughs) 300 different kinds of boxes and trying to come up with names for things helps you it almost helps you reuse them as to some extent as well because it it registers it in your head as well as sort of registering it in a design system so it defines the Um, purpose of the thing yeah it defines the purpose of it and it helps you sort of apply a design rule to it um and yeah, don't re- don't reinvent the wall. Uh, don't reinvent
2: the
0: wall. Walls they can be reinvented just as much as wheels. So I don't think it makes any difference. Don't reinvent the wheel. Have <laughs> like
1: a toolkit of base components and those things that you do find yourself reusing. Um, consistency and rules should be a help, not a hindrance. Mm-hmm. You know, we're designing to a purpose. It's a contentious point to say, sort of, good design works within constraints and adheres to rules, but it should at least be creating rules.
0: That shouldn't be a contentious point. I don't think should <laughs> no. it. I think that's that's the foundations of design. It's not yeah. art. It
3: yeah. you know this it is works why you create a, a grid to work within. Yeah, and it's same with code. Yeah, yeah. you can and still break those yeah,
0: yeah. rules, but you know you just got to do so in an informed way. I think
3: that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, same. The only other thing I'd say when building is assume that things are going to change. If you're building yes. something that feels a bit flaky, a bit one-off. It's probably yeah. a bad idea because someone will <laughs> change it later anyway. If <laughs> it's going to give you a headache. How go. do you do
0: it? This is jumping back a bit, really. But it's a question I want to ask. One of the problems with responsive design when it comes to imagery, that in certainty, for normal images, content mm-hmm. images that are in the page, that's fine. They scale when the text scales. Above them. But if you've got stuff over the top, like it's a background image, and you start scaling it, suddenly half of someone's head's cut yeah. off. And I mean, is there anything you can do about that? <laughs> a number of
1: approaches. (laughs) It depends. (laughs) And it kind of comes back to what I was saying about the client, whether it's going to take a content editor time to do that. So I remember on a a project for one of our law firms, I spent ages building this huge range of options that the client could use like they had this big pa- uh, panel area and it was just like, okay well you've got essentially nine options you just define the focus at point of the image yeah, yeah and then background sizing will take care of it yeah and it's just like oh okay right yeah but they've left all the images they've uploaded as default so they're all just in the same place it's, like, it's it, more or less takes a case
2: of you need to educate them uh, where not to put the focus of the image right that's kind of like it's going to be cut at this particular kind of size then you're likely to lose this and this and that's going to lose that and that so make sure you, your focus stays within I think you even did it into kind of like A, B, C, D and E sort of like A, I ended a, up a doing is them. perfect B is okay I ended know? up doing them sort of a,
1: a test card type yeah, yeah. thing that you yeah. see on a TV of safe areas of certain right. images yeah. safe yeah. areas yeah. yeah that's what it was all about yep. interesting yeah. that's quite an interesting approach to it yeah, yeah. it yeah. didn't work though like- <laughs> no, it did work. It did work. It technically it, it worked, te- but again, it takes a content editor time to actually also, go through and do it that.
2: Educated, um, they were. They were a, a hard client to kind of get to the top of. Yeah, it was always like you would go in and you'd speak to the people you were dealing with, and you knew there was this step up behind yeah. them that they had to go through every decision. Yeah, and Dan developing that gave them the tool to educate people that we never really got I mean, to speak in, to so in, an, great,
0: in an ideal world you'd build into the back end that when they upload an image they can see what it would look like at different sizes and where they set the, the focal point but again it's budget isn't it? at mm. the end of the day you can only do so much within certain budget there are tools out there I'm sure I've seen a tool where you can set the focal point you can point. visibly set it yeah I yeah, can't remember what it's called I can't either but you know it's, it's a tricky one that one I, I'm, I'm never quite sure about it anyway, let's talk about our second sponsor before we wrap up today's show. all of us what do you mean we're all going to talk about it no episode. I'm this is me it's a special moment between me and the listener. Okay. Don't ruin it. Hello listener I me. want it <laughs> that just sounds creepy doesn't yeah. it It's quite a shift in tone. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to talk about Full Story, the best session recorder out there. I absolutely love uh, Full Story. We all know that session recorders allow you to watch back user sessions, and they're incredibly useful for getting insights into natural user behavior. But session recorders can be frustrating for example you can be overwhelmed by the sheer number of sessions that you can watch back and it's hard to figure out what you want to see and what you're looking for and that kind of thing and then often you have to plan ahead as well and gather data on a particular behavior so let's say you want to know how many people have signed up to a newsletter you have to set um, set that specifically that that's what you're looking for then you have to wait around for a couple of weeks while you get enough people doing it before you can watch it but FullStory solves both of these problems. For a start, it records everything about all sessions, meaning you don't have to plan ahead and you can search for almost anything um, from what text people have clicked on to what DOM elements they've interacted with. So You can put in the class of an element and say, I want to see everybody that's clicked on this class. You know, it's, it's incredibly powerful from that point, point of view. Um, You can also um, uh, go in and even track, like, moments of frustration, like when they start repeatedly, aggressively clicking on um, elements on the screen. So it really kind of gives you the ability to filter through all this mass of videos and and get a good look at what people are doing so you can sign up today for a month's free trial no need to get a credit card out um, no obligation um, and you can just try it out at the end of that uh, free month's trial um, you can actually continue using the product up to a thousand sessions per month so it's still a really useful tool even if you don't want to pay for it but pay For it is great, so that's fullstory.com forward slash BOAG. If, uh, if you want to check that one out, so if you want to know a little bit more about responsive design, I've got um, a couple of links that you might want to check out. The first one is uh, responsive design.is, which is a nice kind of summary of all things responsive design, latest articles on it, loads of opportunities to learn stuff, etc. etc. If you want to learn about um, my personal approach to squeezing more out of images and how I use that serve that we were talking about earlier, then you can find out more about that by going to boag.world forward slash responsive dash images. And then finally, um, if you want to know about uh, responsive typography... Um, which is another area we talked on today. There's a great article over at Smashing Magazine that you can get to by going to boag.world forward slash responsive dash type. So I like to, at the end of each show, leave everybody with um, a few next steps that they can take. This one is a nice, easy one on this show, which is um, on the next project. Before you do anything, stop and think about your layout. Start thinking about how you're going to um, uh, scale your imagery and your typography in particular, and adjust it for different uh, devices. And really, I think Ed's piece. uh, Well, I think both Ed and Dan have said it. You know, is is review often? Look at a bit constantly. Do don't just do the desktop and then think about the mobile afterwards. Do them in tandem, hand in hand, and everything in between. All right. Thing that wraps us up for this week. Marcus, do you have a joke
2: for us? This is from Bob Salmon on the Slack channel. Which Spice Girl can hold the most petrol or gas if you're an American? Okay. Which Spice Girl can hold the most petrol? Jerry can. <laughs> That's quite good. Come on. Good one, Bob. <sighs>
0: <laughs> I like Bob. I like Bob a lot. He's he's a really good contributor to the Slack channel and he's got a lot going for him. That was not one of the things that is going for him. No, he's got no taste Paul So um, for one, maybe it's me yeah well could go either way so I wanted to say before we we completely wrap up I'm really looking to gather some feedback on the show um, whether you actually still is is there anyone listening to it is it just being downloaded by apps all around the world and no one's actually listening to a word we're saying Um, so I'd love to hear from you uh, if you listen to the show what you like about it what you don't like about it um, so that as we start planning future seasons we can bear all those things in mind and adapt them so please drop me an email Um, I know it's pain in the arse you've got enough emails in your life but if you can spare me two minutes to email paul at boagworld.com it would be much appreciated any thoughts on the show whatsoever Um, next we're going to be talking about embracing the exciting future of grid layout with uh, the the traitor Andy Clark that has left our fair shores for are better off without him
2: I've got to save the insults for tomorrow or next time we record next time which happens to be tomorrow but
0: that's beside the point all right, so that's it for this show. Ed, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And, uh, Dan, thank you as well. Thanks for having me. And um, I'm not thanking Marcus, so goodbye. Goodbye.
1: <laughs> Bye.